Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to AMBETS Radio. At AMBETS Radio, we're dedicated to providing the who, what, where, when, and why of everything AMBETS nationwide. For over 50 shows now, AMBETS Radio not only educates, but tries to inspire all veterans serving veterans with interviews that are not only thought-provoking, but through humor, decades of wisdom, lots of great stories, and of course, information about AMBETS. It's our goal at AMBETS Radio that after hearing this show, you'll walk away different than you arrived. We thank you for taking the time to listen to AMBETS Radio. And for more information, including upcoming shows or previous ones, visit AMBETSRadio.com. Now sit back and relax, buckle up and get ready, because the AMBETS Radio train is about to leave the station.
show our appreciation for keeping this land free. So the next time you hear our anthem and see your glory flying in the air, can we please all stand together in the one thing we all share? We're Americans, Americans, we're Americans, we're Americans, Americans, we're Americans, God bless the USA. Well, hello, folks. I bet it would be nice if my microphone was on so you could hear me. It would, Perry. I mean, I, I heard my mic come on because I assumed you introduced me, although it was absolutely silent. Man, listen, if I could go back and change a little, I would right now. First of all, welcome to Amethyst Radio Show number 80. I apologize. I was talking to myself. I had a wonderful conversation. I even answered myself. But in the meantime, we ha- and, and, and based upon our show's topic tonight, you might think that I'm either on drugs and alcohol, but I am not. But tonight's show is all about drugs and alcohol abuse. And I just want to take some time really quick, Alex, before we get started, because I've got, we've got an announcement that needs to be made uh, first, and I also am going to read something before we go on to our show. But if it wasn't for Amvitz, Georgia, and Florida, and California, and Arkansas, and the state of Tennessee, and the Elks Lodge, and the Tri-Cities Military Affairs Council, and Veterans Web Design, and of course, Painter's Dream Productions, we would not be able to have this show. So we want to thank the states and those that have helped to support this show. Uh, we are, we understand that the whole purpose of this show is to provide information relating to AMBETS and veterans. And, you know, Alex, the, one of the things that uh, you and I talked about in regards to this show was who we were going to have on. And, and this is not going to, I, I think next week is going to be number two because I have a couple specialists that are not available tonight, unfortunately, and I really want to get them on. So rest assured, folks, this conversation is going to continue. But before we get started, we have to do the national anthem. So if you would with me, please stand and let us give proper honor and respect to those who have not only died for this country but continue to serve it each and every day.
You there, Perry? You know, I didn't even turn the mute off that time. It automatically <laughs> did that. You know, we started this show with a song called You're Not Alone, and yet right now I feel very alone. Because well, I keep Perry, having the show alone. by myself. I keep having the show by myself, <laughs> Alex. I am enjoying it, but no one else is. I apologize, folks. I've been doing this for 80 shows now, and you would think I would have figured out a silly picture of a microphone. Okay. Well, before we get started, we have got um, a public relations officer from Post 104, Bob Minat, who has an announcement that he wants to make, and let's go ahead and get him on the air now. Bob, how you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, Perry. How are you today? Woo! I'm starting off like I've got air in my head or something. <laughs> yeah, there's well, a little bit of out there, but I'm sure you're doing good. Hey, uh, Post 104 in Knoxville, Tennessee is proud to announce that uh, Pal Dental Services, Film Care of Pal, Dr. Darren Holt, is going to offer free dental benefits, dental exams, Extractions or a filling to all veterans that would be active duty, retired, or just a veteran, and their spouses and dependent children on November 10th from 8 to 5 p.m. So we want all the veterans to get out there and take advantage of this, especially those those veterans that are of retirement age who are not covered with dental insurance by Social Security. So please go out there and give them a visit. I am going to uh, I'm going to put this on the Amvets Radio uh, Facebook page uh, for those that are looking for the information again. This is free dental services, and it That's is set basic. for Saturday, November 10th, from eight to three, right? Well, they say on their their flyer eight to five, but they're going to cut the line off at three o'clock. So be sure you get there before three. We're also going to have representatives, vet reps from Post 104 there to interact with the veterans. We'll be able to answer any of your questions if you have any concerns about receiving any benefits or need any help. Please come by and talk to our vet reps. They'll be outside. So, uh, yeah, 8 to 3. Now, being that you are the public relations officer for Post 104, I guess the only question I have left is, while I have you on the air, is there anything about Post 104 you would like to share, any upcoming events, any recent testimonials, great stories? Do not worry about time because time is irrelevant at this point. We, are, we have a two-hour show, and we're going to be talking about drugs and alcohol abuse, and it's not going to be our first show. So anything about 104 that you want to mention? Well, on, on the alcohol abuse part of it, I, I would like to mention the reason we brought this up or, or thought this might be a concern and started talking to Dr. Holt about it was we had a lodge member who uh, who passed away recently back in April, and they found him in his home. He was 62 and didn't have dental benefits. Turns out he had an abscess that had eaten away his entire jaw. And, and as you know, that can lead to a heart attack when that when that infection travels. So so that brought our concern to us, and we discussed that with Dr. Hull. But as far as Post 104, man, I've only been involved with them for a little over a year. They do great work for veterans. Uh, our post commander, Mike Church, 
one day at a Walmart when we were having a fundraiser, a little lady came up and told about her neighbor who was a vet who was having some hard times. Mr. Church actually went and visited this man, and in all his visit, found that his cupboard was bare, actually had no food in his refrigerator in his cupboard, went to the grocery store, filled his cupboards up, and at the post meeting, we, of course, reimbursed him. But, but we, we try to interact, interact with the veterans in our community, but we need to find out where the need is. So if any veterans want to give us a call, please do. Excellent. Well, sir, just so that you know, now that you've been on AMVETS Radio, you you do understand now that because you've been on AMVETS Radio that that now you are a friend of AMVETS Radio and you are always welcome, if you didn't know, on this show anytime. All I need is at least a couple hours notice so I can make a spot so that you can make any kind of announcement for Post 4104. We need more Post members and public relations officer to step up and fill some of this airtime because the reason why people listen to AMVETS radio is they want to get information about AMVETS, and we can only do that. And so, you know. Well, great, Perry. When we have things coming up in our community, we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get a hold of you and uh, let you help us spread that word. I don't know if you remember, but at the state convention, I met you there. You don't remember me, do you? Now, hold on now. Well, you, you know how many people I met at the state convention? You're talking about this year's, right? Yes. I only met, I think, about 350. So let's now, let's now narrow you down by uh, where did we meet? In, well, we in, am, in, in the Amos Radio's post or where we were having the radio show? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, oh, that's terrible. Just shook your that's head. Ter- oh, oh, the first day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember you. Okay, well, see, look at that. Well, so yeah. you've already been a friend of the show anyway. I didn't realize that. Man, it's hard. There are so many of you guys that to even just always know, Bob, you're always welcome on the show, okay? Always. Hey, well, thanks. We, we really appreciate you, and we appreciate AMVETS Radio. We hope it takes off. We hope all the veterans throughout the nation, whether they're an AMVETS member or not, start tuning in and listening to AMVETS Radio because it does pass a lot of good information about veterans. And thank you for the work you're doing. You got it, brother. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. All right. Take care. You got it. Okay, let's see. Alex, we have something. I've just been, I just received uh, in my ear set a notification from the producer that we have an additional article that we're going to add to tonight's show, uh, which is about a program, and we'll get into that. But I would like to read something first, and then I'm going to open up the phone line so that if there's anybody who wants to be a part of this conversation, uh, all you have to do uh, is, if I call on you during the show, just speak now or forever hold your peace. Um, I Also, before well, we get started, Terry. we've got – actually, I just realized we got Terry Corson on from Florida. So before we get in, I, as a matter of fact, we've got one more announcement I forgot. What's the matter with me? I love Terry. I should have remembered. <laughs> hold on one second. <laughs> All right, Terry, I didn't forget. Better late than never. I almost did. <laughs> I, I wasn't worried I, about it, Perry. I knew you. I, I knew you'd cut me in sooner or later. 
Oh, man, that was – I'll tell you what. I don't know what's going on with me today. But anyway, <laughs> I'm so glad you called, Terry. You are the department commander for the state of Florida. Y'all have been through some hell recently. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's been, it's been a real ride, Terry. Um, Hurricane Michael uh, has not treated us well. Uh, a year ago, I was on it. We talked about Hurricane Irma. Um, but this is this is way worse than what Irma was. I tell you what, it brought some unprecedented uh, destruction to the Florida Panhandle area, like you wouldn't believe. Um, and we've here, here's a little bit of a, a impact that we've had. Uh, we've got a small post at, at Fountain, Florida, Post 231. It was it was leveled. We got a, a large post at uh, Callaway, post 2298. It was torn to shreds. And and our chaplain uh, lives in the Panhandle area. He, I talked to him. Three trees fell on his house in three different areas, three different rooms, and he lost a third of his house. Our president of the Service Foundation is still in Georgia. He has a house right on the bay. And he said he finally got pictures today of what his house looks like. Every window is gone. Part of his roof is gone. His entire garage is leveled. And he said it looked like somebody from Craftsman mowed his lawn because there's Craftsman tools all over his yard. We still have cell towers down. We still got a lot of area with no electricity, homes destroyed. They're still trying to do some personnel accountability uh, especially in the Mexico City area. Um, but we did, and last year I talked about we had a Veterans Relief Fund that we started, and we've already implemented the Veterans Relief Fund. I'd like to give you just one example, Perry, of what happened with our Veterans Relief Fund. Um, we had a well-documented program, but it all started with an application for assistance. And the Larry Arnett, our our president of the service foundation and I got on the phone and, and, and talked about it and said, Hey, we, we can't wait for a person to try to get us paperwork because no electricity, no computers, no cell phone, no cell phone towers. We've got to have, we've got to be able to react. So we, we started reacting at eight thirty yesterday morning. I got a call that a two members of our Florida AMVETS um, in the, uh, area of Highway 231, which is their post-231 members, they suffered some damage to their home. They had a generator, and they started it up. It ran for about an hour, and then froze up. They had no electricity, of course, no phone lines, wanting to know if there's anything anybody could do. I contacted our post-35 commander in Crestview, told him that, hey, we've got a situation at uh, Fountain, and we need a generator, a 5KW generator, and we need it delivered. We will pay. The, the disaster relief fund will pay, but we, you know, we, we don't have the money to get you right now um, to make this thing happen right away. His words to me were, Commander, I got this. At 9.30, he called me back, said, Commander, I've got that generator in the back of our truck and we're on our way. 1.30 that afternoon, he called me up and said, Commander, the generator's running, it's plugged in, and we told the folks if they need anything else to give us a call. And I tell you what, we've with the disaster relief program that we set up, the policy that we set up, we're already 
making some changes so that we've got better reaction time. And like I said, our, the president of our service foundation is, is a, one of the people that's involved in this because of his home located right on the bay. He's getting ready. He's going to come down and see his house for the first time tomorrow. But he, he took, he's got a trailer and a big truck, and he bought two generators and a bunch of water, a bunch of cleaning supplies and everything, because he said he knows when he gets down there, there's going to be a need. So all of that is, is starting to, to make us a much more responsive department than what we were last year during Hurricane Irma. We put out a couple of blasts to our post, asked them to jump on a wagon. Uh, if you can afford a donation now, please make it. If not, please have a fundraiser and, and send us the money um, for that from the, uh, the net profit of the fundraiser to the Veterans Relief Fund because we know that, that we're going to uh, tax our veterans uh, or veterans, our, our disaster relief fund uh, pretty heavy during this incident. So <clears throat> I'm glad to say that I think that we're doing good things as far as the Department of Florida. I think that our posts in that area are really jumping on board with us to make this thing really work. Um, so we are, we're, we're, I think, being very proactive versus reactive. Um, and I think that that's going to help our membership. And like I said, there, there's still a whole lot of, of cleanup, uh, response and recovery going on. So getting into that area um, it is, is difficult because there's still areas that, that, that are blocked off and everything. So I just want everybody to know that it, it really helps. And, and I know the last time uh, I was on the talk show, I think Tennessee was starting their disaster relief program. We have really modified ours so that we can be much more responsive. And like the President of the Service Foundation and I talked about, the paperwork will catch up to us. But right now, we're going to help our AMBETs. So that's the report I wanted to give you, Perry, just to give you an update on, on how things are going in Florida. Awesome. Terry, this is Alex here. Uh, yes, absolutely yes, amazing things that you guys are doing down in Florida. I really appreciate everything that the Department of Florida has been doing for this disaster relief effort. And, and Perry, just in typical AMVETS fashion, it's absolutely amazing that we have this topic come up because this is something that our next guest is actually wanting to discuss. So, Terry, if you could stay on the line for a little bit, we'd really appreciate that. Okay. Now, I thought you said Jen had something, too, about it. Yes. Our, our next guest, uh, she is the co-founder and owner of Luke and Lulu's Dog Rescue down in Tampa, Florida. She's also the executive assistant and re head researcher for The Good Cemeterian. Her, she's been on the show before. Her name's Jen Armbruster. Jen, are you there? I'm here. Hey, guys. Hey, Welcome Jen. Back. How's everything going? Nice to see – well, nice to hear you. And I'm glad that you're having technical difficulties because you know how I am on radio. Nervous. <laughs> if there's one of those things, Always blame your silence on and, that. Yeah, well, and, and that really – if I ever do anything wrong, it's usually that. Well, I mean, that's why you did it, to make me feel more comfortable. You did it on purpose. <laughs> so, so Jen, we have the department commander from Florida on the line talking about the disaster relief efforts that are going on down there in the panhandle of Florida. 
I know you've been working tirelessly as well on this. Can you give us a little bit of update of what you've got going on down there for the disaster relief efforts? Yes. Um, even though I'm, you know, a dog rescue, I am, we do have a public charity status. So we're helping in any way we can with disaster relief. Um, we have teams up there on the ground um, going house to house doing welfare checks, seeing what supplies people need that don't have cell phone service or power or anything, seeing what their animals need. Um, and we have our team members that are down in um, Ingleton, Inglewood, sorry, um, Inglewood, they are bringing up supply trucks. We just dropped one off over the weekend. And then we're going to be collecting more supplies and fuel and everything to bring up to everyone driving around. Um, you know, the Florida Emergency Animal Response Team is also up there with veterinarians to help the animals. And, um, you know, more and more staging areas are coming in now that it's like after aftermath and um, they are handing out water and all of that stuff. So the main need right now is cleaning supplies, towels, and gas to get around. And it's absolutely amazing. Now, Jen, I, I, I think I've asked you this before. Are you an, an AMVETS member or you, you're considering to be one, right? Hey, I'll be an AMVETS member. I'll represent down here. Awesome. I will get your information <laughs> over to Terry. He is your department commander. And okay. we'll see if we can get you hooked up with a ladies' auxiliary in the area, get you that'd joined up, I'd and, you know, I, I think that would be a great effort. There? Terry, are you still there, brother? I certainly am. Well, Hi, good. Terry. Who, who yep. can we connect her with? You, you can connect her with me. I can fix her up wherever, whatever location is close, I can fix her up. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, welcome awesome. to the Ambex yeah. family, Jen. Thank and I also, <laughs> and, and, and I also, because I, do we have a correspondent in Florida? It's actually Alex, funny that you mentioned do. that, Perry. I don't think we do, but, you know. We have Alabama. We've got Indiana. We've got Washington, D.C. We've got Tennessee. But no Florida. And, and, but a lot of people don't understand what this means. All this means is anytime you have any AMBETS-related news that you want to share, you can come on the show and or post it. We make you an editor on the, on the Facebook page so that you can post that stuff on AMBETS Radio because not only do we have our show on every Tuesday, but we also use the website and the Facebook page to communicate AMBETS truth and things going on with AMBETS. So, well, that is such uh, an honor. Perry, we well, will and again, tomorrow. Excellent. Perfect. You will have. You will have. Awesome. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, who would have awesome. thought that that was going to happen today? <laughs> right. That's exciting. Hey, that hey, was would, a surprise. Hey would, <laughs> hey, would somebody post on the Ambets Radio Facebook page that 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 we have a new Ambets correspondent for Florida, and I will message the details of her name over in our little message area that we go to. Arm Brewster, B-R-U-S-T-E-R, right? Bruster or Brewster? Correct. How do you it's pronounce Bruster. Bruster. Okay. We're the different side of the Arm Brewster family. We say Bruster. <laughs> okay. Let me go ahead and paste that. There's that. And that is... Florida. Okay, excellent. Now, 
let's go right to our topic because I've got uh, an article which I want to read first, and then after I'm done reading the article, I'm going to bring on Vanessa Dillian, who is our uh, well, correspondent for Harry, Indiana. We, also, we still have one yes. more announcement with Jen before we go forward oh. into the conversation. Excellent. Um, it's actually coming up this Saturday, Post 45, along with 101 in Smithville and 1776, Jerry Reed Music City, Nashville. Um, we are going to be assisting Jen, the Good Cemetery, and a lot of other or- wonderful organizations that are going to be coming out for one of the largest National Park Service restoration projects to date. Jen, could you give us a little bit more information about that? I sure can. Okay, so it's the location is the Stones River National Cemetery, and it's going to be called Stones River National Cemetery Volunteer Day. And um, we would love to have 200 to 300 volunteers. And the Stones River National Cemetery, it was, um, if you don't know, it was established in 1865. And more than 6,100 Union soldiers who perished during the Civil War lie in this 12-acre cemetery. It's also the final rest for nearly 1,000 veterans who served after the Civil War and through the 1970s. And um, it's located at the Stones River National Battlefield in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And that was, you know, the fierce battle at Stones River between December 31st, 1862, and in January of 1863. And that's when the Confederates withdrew after the battle, allowing General Rosecrans and Union Army to control Middle Tennessee. So it's a pretty big deal. And um, it's also the location of one of the oldest intact Civil War monuments standing in its original location. So I'm really excited to go there just to see the cemetery alone. And, um, you know, it's a one-day event from 9 a.m. till 1 p.m. You check in at 8.30. There's a link to sign up. Um, do you guys have that on your page now? For yes, we do. Dollars? We actually oh, okay. we actually have that link to sign up on our page today. Okay. So if and you want goal? to go and sign up for that, it is on AmVetsRadio.com. It's live right now. Check out our Facebook you, page, and it'll be right there. Do you know what the goal is? Our goal is to clean I, over 4,000 headstones in that uh, in that uh, few hours of time. So we're going to have to work at it and we would love more volunteers to help out. The more the merrier. Um, like Alex said, we'll be there. Alex will be there. Ambet's Post 45, Ambet's Radio, our distributor for D2 Biological Solution, um, Rusty, he'll be there along with D2 Biological Solution and the man who created it. Um, it's hosted by the National Park Services and their HOPE crew. And um, the HOPE crew means hands-on preservation experience. And it's an, an initiative launched, launched by the National Park Services to train more young people in preservation crafts while helping to pr- protect historic cultural sites on public lands. So it's pretty cool. I love how all the groups are getting together and doing something, making a difference. And, and see, that's what I love to see too, Vanessa, uh, Jen, because... A lot of the things that are going on today, it it takes a team effort. It takes a group effort, just like the Department of Florida's AMVETS right now. You have Luke and Lulu's Dog Rescue and a wonderful Mm -hmm. vast amount of other organizations coming together to help benefit the people and the veterans both here today and gone. 
to actually, yeah. you know, get back to where it needs to be. And to have organizations like yours and ours working together, it's just absolutely amazing. And uh, we did get the information today. Post 101 out of Smithville, Tennessee will be there as well. Awesome. Uh, Post, four, uh, Post 1776 out of Nashville be, Nashville will be helping and assisting, although I don't believe anybody will be there from the Post. They will be contributing. Are there anything that is there anything that you guys need for this event to help make it more productive? I know that our Posts are contributing water and some Gatorade. Is there anything else that would be nice to be out there to help um, push this Well, yeah, along? I was going to say water, anything to drink would be amazing. Um, I'm going to bring um, some good cemeterian um, tote bags and stuff, and you guys are welcome to bring some Amvet swag. And, um, you know, we'll probably, I mean, toothbrushes, everything, like D2 is sponsoring almost the whole entire event, and then along with the other organizations partnering in, like uh, the National Park Park Services um, and the HOPE crew, um, they do this all the time so they're going to have some materials there for everybody and be able to help encourage everyone and um, Andrew he'll be there to talk before the event and he'll be there to help anyone that that needs help or has any questions and stuff like that so um, if there are any other needs I'll definitely get back to you so we can post them on AMVETS and I mean just being there will be enough we need manpower well, this is just coming in. Um, I, I got a message right now. Post 45 will be contributing some toothbrushes as well. Awesome. We have a, um, a vast resource of those, so those will be provided as well. If you would, if anybody who's listening who's going to be coming to this event, um, stop by the AMVETS radio, AMVETS Post 45, and the AMVETS Tennessee tents, and you can collect them there. That'll be so good. And um, not to be picky, but soft bristle brushes will be preferred because we don't want to damage the monuments. I'll have to take a check on what kind of brushes those are, but I will take that into consideration. Yep, kind of like soft toothbrushes for sensitive teeth. <laughs> now, Jen, is there anything you want to discuss about the hurricane relief effort with Terry while we have him on the phone? Um, well, where just, where am I going? What's that? Oh, am I going somewhere? Well, <laughs> we're just Terry, not this. Terry. <laughs> oh, Terry. Terry. See, I did you didn't you think? Oh, I should. Okay, I'll be quiet. Silence. I go <laughs> into the hole. No, it's just so devastating up in the Panhandle. I cannot believe the impact of that hurricane. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting it to be the way it was. Um, I spoke to Verizon Wireless, and they told me. Um, exactly where they were set up for their um, like portable satellite areas because I know Verizon zero cell phone service in certain areas they're working really hard to restore that um, that's why in the beginning we were asking for like prepaid AT&T phones to get to people because their families were like searching for them and there was no communication at all I mean you know and not to say like it it really does it looks you even you agree, Alex, it kind of looks like a war zone a little bit. Like the buildings are just oh, yeah. all apart. Like it's just so bad. And there were animals under the the rubble. And I mean, this one woman, she was on the Zello channel where her her roof was collapsing and she was in her closet. And it was I just felt so helpless because we couldn't be there at that moment. So we were just hoping that she made it so we can get her after. 
Definitely. And, and and Terry, are you there, brother? I sure am. See, yes, you know, you and that's me? what I love about uh, – we can hear you. And that's what I love about Amvets Radio, Terry. I mean, you came on to talk about the hurricane. We were ready for you, and that's what I love about Amvets Radio. We are connecting veterans and their families together and organizations together to make sure that we can best serve our communities. Can't you agree on that, Terry? A hundred percent. Terry, do you believe that a lot of people didn't follow – the information instructions to 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 follow the evacuation notices and and what can you say to inform people the next time there has there is one about the evacuation notices and why it is so important to abide by that i i think that the majority followed them when when they found out how strong hurricane michael was going to come ashore but what <clears throat> the things that we always forget is that's on TVs, that's on radio stations, and, you know, we've got some poor people that, you know, like they were talking about no no food in, in the refrigerator, no food in the cupboard. Well, guess what? No TV and no radio. So, I, you know, there's the, like, Mexico City, it's just, uh, it looks like a combat situation and they drop bombs. Mm-hmm. That's that's about the best explanation I have. It, it's leveled. Um, mm-hmm. A nine-foot storm surge, and if there was anybody there, if they if they somehow survived the the winds of the hurricane, they did not survive the storm surge. We're going to be a while um, sorting that problem out. And it, it is a good lesson for everybody. And, and, and I give the governor of the state a lot of credit. Of course, he's, Governor Scott's gone through this, you know, a couple of times. He's got, he, he's got uh, recovery people, response and recovery people lined up outside of the hot zone. So as soon as that thing's done, he's got people going in there starting, starting a cleanup right away. But the devastation of this thing and, and the – you know, and Verizon advertised they set up hotspots for phones, which is a great thing. But what we forget is the there's no electricity. So you're only going to talk so long on that phone. And when the battery's dead, you got no place to charge the battery. So there's so many things that come into play. Our, our, our president of the service foundation, he, he's buying some radios in, in Georgia that he thinks will work when he gets down to – uh, to his house on the bay and everything so that he can scatter them around and get people talking to their families to let them know that, hey, we're okay. So it is, like I said, I, I everybody that comes down there um, for a response and recovery, they they know they're working, the, they're working them, themselves a bunch. And, and Jen, it was, it was good to hear you. It's good to hear that you know, we're not. It's not just we're looking at the families. We're looking at the families, the pets, because let's let's be serious. Um, oh, a lot yeah. of our elderly yeah. people, a lot of the elderly people, that pet is their family, and that's the only family they've got. So, thank you guys very much for being down there and, and the help. And and like I said, if you if we can get together, you let me know what city you're close to, and I'll get you into an Ambets post in Florida. Okay, that would be awesome. Over by by the Tampa area, so perfect. Perfect. We got, I got you taken care of. We just got to, okay. I'll connect, I'll, we'll connect up by phone. We'll connect up somehow, even if I have to come back okay. through Terry and get your phone number. <laughs> Sounds good. It was great talking with you.
Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. No problem, guys. And, and Perry, I got a little joke for you. Why couldn't the pony talk? I don't know. Perry or Terry? Both of you. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Because he was a little horse. And tonight's topic, oh. Perry, <laughs> is so, so serious that I feel like we could talk to our voices go horse about this because it is something so prevalent in today's society and culture when it comes to our veterans. And I wanted to get that joke out of the way. One is it's a good segue, but two, because, you know, we're going to have to let a little bit of humor out first because it's going to be a serious topic. It's something that's plaguing our veteran community and active duty as well. And so I'm really excited. AMVETS has some wonderful programs to go on about it. Our guests that are currently on the line, I'd love to invite you to stay on if you'd like to talk about this topic. Um, we're going to be talking about drug and alcohol abuse. We have our correspondent out of Indiana who's going to be talking about our current programs with the AMVETS Nationals on this exact topic. And so I'm super excited about it, Perry. There is an article that I ran into today from last year, and uh, because obviously with this topic, I, as I was doing research, I saw different articles, different opinions, different things about this topic, and really didn't believe a lot of what the other articles said. But there were some statistics in this article, which this comes from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, which is SAM, HSA, um, and it says that there are an estimated 23.4 million veterans in the United States and about 2.2 million military service members, 3.1 million immediate family members. The demanding environments of military life and experiences of combat during which many veterans experience psychological distress can be further complicated by substance use and related disorders. Many service members face such critical issues as trauma, suicide, homelessness, and or involvement with the criminal justice system. Approximately 18.5% of service members returning from Iraq or Afghanistan have post-traumatic stress disorder or depression, and 19.5% report experiencing a traumatic brain injury during deployment. Approximately 50% of returning service members who need treatment for mental health conditions seek it, but only slightly more than half who receive treatment receive adequate care. Between 2004 and 2006, 7.1% of U.S. veterans met the criteria for a substance abuse disorder. The Army suicide rate reached an all-time high in 2012. In the five years from 2005 to 2009, more than 1,100 members of the armed forces took their own lives, an average of one suicide every 36 hours. According to an assessment by the Department of Housing and Urban Development and Veterans Affairs, nearly 76,000 veterans experienced homeless on a given night in 2009. Some 136,000 veterans spent at least one night in a shelter during that year. Mental and substance use disorders caused more hospitalizations among U.S. troops in 2009 than any other cause. A recent treatment episode data set report says 21% of veterans in substance abuse treatment were homeless. About 70% of the homeless veterans also experienced a substance use disorder. Research also shows the negative impacts that deployment and trauma-related stress can have on military families, particularly wives and children. Cumulative links of deployments are associated with more emotional difficulties among military children and more mental health diagnoses among U.S. Army wives. 
Children of deployed military personnel have more school, family, and peer-related emotional difficulties compared with national samples. Although active-duty troops and their families are eligible for care from the U.S. Department of Defense, a significant number choose not to access those services due to fear of discrimination or the harm receiving treatment for behavioral health issues may have on their military career or that of their spouse. National Guard and Reserve troops who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, approximately 40% of the total are eligible for behavioral health services from the VA, but many are unable or unwilling to access those services. Many National Guard, Reserve veterans, and active duty service members, as well as their families, seek care in communities across this country, particularly from state, territorial, tribal, local, and private behavioral health care systems, often with employer-sponsored coverage. Military families have a culture and unique behavioral health need that may not be understood within the greater community. And, of course, this SAMS, uh, SAMHSA supports it, and, um, and, and they, of course, know that, that through this, their system that they can provide the services. But I think if that, was, if that was the case, Alex, we wouldn't need the HEAL team. If that was the case, we wouldn't have all of these other programs uh, that are available. So I wanted to start with some of those stats because we've talked about some of those throughout our show. Let me go ahead and bring Vanessa on at this time, and we can uh, uh, also talk about the program that she was going to announce. Uh, but I, I just felt that that article, because we've covered a lot of those topics and we've used those stats before, I just thought that that would kind of cement what the purpose of tonight's show was all about. And, and not just that, Perry. Um, I, I also cited several NIH statistics and studies that had mirrored the same, same statistics that you just mentioned. But also among that is that 50% of active duty personnel, 50% report binge drinking on a regular basis. Which, you know, if you think about that, the, the vastness of our nation's military... 50% of active duty personnel report binge drinking and alcoholism on a regular basis. It, it, it's just staggering, Perry. And I don't think that's, that's the end of the stats and the conversation by far. Oh, no. Well, we've got Vanessa on. Vanessa, are you there? I'm here, Perry. How are you and Alex tonight? Vertical. Vertical is good. I'm doing well as well, Vanessa. How are you doing, sweetheart? Hanging tough. Tell me about this program, Vanessa. Okay. So, NVETS um, has the NVETS Against Drug and Alcohol Abuse Program, AADAA. Um, the TED, let me give me a second. Let, yeah, I knew I was going to do this. Help me, Alex. <laughs> well, the program's been around for quite a while. Uh, currently, yeah, I'm this trying year, to say that name. Uh, Ted. Ted Le. Uh, Le it, it is a very long, very Polish name. I love, uh, you know, no disrespect to the family. It is very long, very hard to pronounce. It's a, uh, you know, I, I would just say Ted Ski. I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> yeah. My apologies. Um, I want to hey, say it's, it's quite like, all right. uh, like, 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 
Lazinski. Uh, no, that's not right either. Anyways. <laughs> um, Please yeah. let's. The, let's the do program it. Encourages, L-E-S. Yeah, the go pro- ahead. The program encourages your local and vets post to network with uh, your local schools and youth groups uh, that are looking for resources to educate youth about uh, drug and alcohol abuse. So they do an annual essay, poem, and poster contest. It's broke down for age-appropriate and grade-specific group levels. So departments and uh, posts are encouraged to hold these contests on local and state levels and then submit the winners from those to national by July 1st. And then um, those entries receive uh, certificates of participation and there are winners that get Visa gift cards. You can go to the national, you know, and that's national website and pull up brochures, um, the contest rules and, and, poster rules and everything right there on the website. Uh, we have our Americanism program, and people get involved in that. And I don't hear about a lot of um, departments and posts getting involved in this program. But also posts are uh, encouraged where they have a home post to um, help serve as a resource for their local community, for you know a facility to conduct drug and alcohol education meetings and workshops for adults. And it's an actually amazing program considering the fact that a lot of the school districts have gone away from the D.A.R.E. program or don't have the funding to perpetuate it as well. And right. so with a program like this, mm-hmm. with, a, with a program like this, we already have the ins in most departments with our school districts because of the Americanism program. It's a wonderful thing to do either in conjunction or right before or after your Americanism essay contests. And, you know, it's one of those things that will help educating our youth and our local, you know, our local adult population in the community about the dangers of alcohol and drug abuse. Absolutely. And there are even additional resources um, for, like, the AA organization, NA organization, um, that if you have someone that they're needing additional resources, you can just click right on that link. Uh, as well. But like you were saying with the D.A.R.E. program, if you're fortunate that your community is doing the D.A.R.E. program, it's an excellent opportunity to work in concert with your local law enforcement that typically carries on those programs and to, and to build a bridge within your community that may not already be there. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a great tool. Uh, This year's essay contest and poster contest, could you tell us what the subject is of that this year? For the AADAA, I'm not able to get it to open up on my on my phone right now. I want to I want to say that it's I I believe we talked about it in our post this week during our membership meeting. I want to say that it's there's no excuse to use or there's no no there's no excuse for drug abuse. I believe that that is the current year's. That's that's an excellent focus. And it's ever so fitting considering tonight's topic that we bring this up in this program and that we try to revive this for our posts in the country and within the school districts because, as Perry just stated, the statistics on this is prevalent issue. You know, right. if, you could, if, if you could spearhead that early enough. Right. I, if I we can reach we, out we can to our young some, people. 
because those are the future of our nation's military. Absolutely. So anything we can do to help to, to create healthy lifestyles and help to avoid substance abuse within our, within our communities, especially reaching out to the youth, I think is an excellent, uh, an excellent focus and um, program. And it absolutely is, but it's only just the tip of that spear. I mean, this issue, Vanessa, I don't know what you've seen so far as far as Indiana, um, but especially even here in Tennessee with the current opioid crisis that's going on. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, from my time even in the military, you saw a lot of rampant prescription drug abuse from our nation's ser- service members. I mean – and and not just that is there's certain situations too where the overprescription of some of these medications is contributing to it, and the fact that you cannot deny medical care. So you have service members right now who are suffering from whether it's some form of trauma or another, uh, and pain and stuff like that that are being prescribed these you know opiate medications, these benzodiazepines, you know, a lot of these other kinds of you know you know, harmful medications, you know, amphetamines such as Adderall and stuff like that. You you see these veterans being prescribed that, but what most people don't realize is an active duty service member or service member in general, you cannot deny medical treatment. Otherwise, that will further impact you going down the line when it comes to your VA benefits or veteran service claims. Right, right. Well, and like during my time in service, if you if you went to sick call, it was a – general expectation that when you left sick call, you went to the pharmacy and picked up a prescription. And when you got back to, you know, your, your unit, you had to report, okay, well now I'm, I have to take this and I have to take this for however long, you know, that was just a common, it was a common norm and expected that you would go to sick call because something's wrong. And then you're going to get a a pill that's going to somehow quote unquote magically fix it. Exactly. And, and and not on top of that, even if you didn't get a pill, sometimes you were only prescribed, uh, at, you know, Tylenol and a glass of water. And right. in, in those cases, you know, you see a lot of other service members turning to their friends who have good prescript. Well, I wouldn't say good prescriptions, but the heavier duty prescriptions for painkillers, or you'll see them turning to alcohol abuse to numb that pain, which is another further perpetuation of the issue is, I think it also comes down to adequate medical care that you, our service members need to be provided as well. Right, because if they're only prescribed, say, a Tylenol or an ibuprofen, and it is something that needs further investigation and, and a different medication, and then they're, like you said, they're turning, say, to alcohol or trying to get someone else to give them some of their medication that they've got that's heavier heavier uh, on the prescription it, it you're right it it's a cycle that we need to do more to stop that cycle and, and when you were in active duty Vanessa I know we were a generation or so apart um, so your experience may be a little bit more different than mine what was your overall intake of the current crisis when it was going on with the military or the culture around drug and alcohol abuse well, um, Alex, I'll say it like this. I, I had a had a friend that was in their very early 20s that had already been diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. 
they graduated from high school, they went to basic and AIT, started their military service, you know, right out the gate. And by the time that they were in their early 20s, um, had cirrhosis of the liver from drinking. That soldier was absolutely turning to the alcohol um, to cope. Especially with those long hours that we have as well in the military, you you know, you either rely on taurine, caffeine, or you turn to alcohol just because you drank so much caffeine through the day and you're getting so little sleep that now you're all hyped up and people turn to the bottle to, to go to sleep and self-medicate to, to sleep. Right. And, so, you know, like, and, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, going home and having a beer or so, you know, having a glass of wine or what may it be, maybe one or two mixed drinks isn't, isn't, isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing either, but I'm not saying it's bad. What I'm saying is, is when you get to the level where you're killing a six pack to a 12 pack every night, where you're starting to drink or where I don't know about you. I I knew several NCOs and soldiers who, who kept a small airplane bottle bottle on them at all times to the point where the the post exchanges had to refuse to sell them until after a certain time of the day. I, I didn't um, know of any instances like that. Not saying that it didn't occur. I'm sure it did. And so let me take, Hey, let me take this moment right now. It appears that, that a friend of, of AMVETS Radio is actually on hold right now, and I want to connect and see if he's interested because uh, him and I kind of have a joke. We've been working alongside each other for the last week or so on a project, and every time he calls me, he tells me about all of his extracurricular activities he does in his backyards with the neighbors. <laughs> And that's how he copes. And so I want to bring him on the show, and he has actually been on our show for the last three weeks, and I know he's not expecting this, but I want to bring back on Carol Davidson because he's here. Surprise, Carol. Welcome back to Ambest Radio. Hey, Terry. How are you all doing tonight? <laughs> you know, you, you and doing, I Carol? joke about this. We, we joke about this every day, don't we? Yes, but I'm not going to say what we joke about. That's uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, sometimes life is difficult, and and not just for veterans. I mean, obviously, this is AMVETS Radio, so the topic is based upon veterans, but I can tell you, you know, my, my grandmother was an alcoholic, my mother was an alcoholic, my sister was an alcoholic, and I grew up with it, and I watched it, and and none of them served, but the fact remains is throughout their situation and throughout their lives. And I know for my grandmother's case, because she came from Germany and she was a German Jew. I know why she drank clearly. I mean, that was, she came through some hell there. And then for my, for my mom who was uh, a Christian and my dad was Jewish and to marry a Christian woman back in the sixties, when you're a Jew, uh, my grandmother gave her a hard time and would spit in her food, and she drank herself to death. So, again, we, we do cover up a lot of things, but I also know that today with medications, it's it's just as bad. Well, I just, I just uh, called in, so appreciate you having me on again, Perry, but uh, uh, I heard cirrhosis of the liver, and I actually – Lost my father uh, about two years ago. Uh, he was an alcoholic uh, growing up, and that's what he passed away to was uh, cirrhosis of the liver. And 
I heard, uh, I think it was Alex that was talking about, you know, drinking basically in the military. And, you know, if you've ever been stationed in Korea, uh, everybody's got a <laughs> Korea story. But uh, uh, that it was you. nothing. And when I say nothing, it was nothing for us to have a case of beer uh, basically on hold uh, when we got off basically in Korea. I mean, the only thing that you really could do over there is drink and work and go down range. And if you, you weren't drinking beer in the uh, in the barracks, you were downrange drinking soju. So um, mm-hmm. there's there was a big issue, and I mean they had it was it, it wasn't an open post. You still had MPs at the front, and but uh, you, you know you didn't have to have a pass to go downrange or anything like that when I was stationed over there. And you, I mean you could go down there and just get absolutely uh, you know we'll just call it hammered and you would sit there and, you know, you'd come back and uh, usually you could take, uh, you know, ask the Odyssey to uh, get taxis right there at the front. They would take you to your, to your barracks and, you know, the night was over. You'd wake up in the morning, you go do PT. And do it all again, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was just, I mean, that was a daily function. And I mean, I've actually got a friend of mine that I still talk to that uh, we served together and, I asked him one time, I said, some Korea up for me. And he goes, very easy. I got on a plane. I got drunk. 365 days later, I sobered up and I came home. <laughs> and honestly, uh, he's not saying anything out of the norm. You know, you're away from your family. It's a hardship tour. Uh, you know, just depending on where you're stationed. I mean, I was stationed at Camp Casey, which is right outside of Tangashan. And, I mean, that was a hardship. So. Um, you know, again, all you had to do was, you know, drink and basically uh, work out and go to work. That was it. And count the days till you come back stateside. Exactly. Well, Carol, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this, and, and it's absolutely amazing. And I think there's multiple there's multiple facets that come along with this. And I mean, it, it's something that's currently plaguing our veteran and active duty populations. And I think one thing that we cannot ignore is the effect that it has on the families as well. And I mean, thankfully we have our new correspondent from Florida. Um, I, I know Jen, are you still there? I'm still here. Yes. You know, we, we had this conversation even, you know, about the effects that it has on the family members, even with the alcohol usage. I mean, would yes. you like to speak on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so my, my daughter's father, he is, a Marine. He has PTSD and a Purple Heart. And um, most of his coping was, you know, going towards drugs and alcohol and like drugs like marijuana and and stuff like that. And um, he just kind of shut down, secluded himself and self-medicated. And then he turned to the VA for help. They put him, there's only two medications approved by the VA, which is um, Zoloft and I think it's Prozac, I believe. And then, um, I mean, add that combination to alcoholism or, you know, any other substance abuse, you're increasing the side effects of the pill you're taking. So it was just a downward spiral for like almost four years until he finally um, came off medication after a Wellbutrin episode. And um, he's trying to cope without any substance use 
So, I mean, it, it, it affects the family in so many ways. Like, I mean, I felt secluded and isolated from him and I felt alone in raising a child. You know, I mean, it, it's just a ripple effect. And and see, it's it's those things as well. And what most people don't realize is one of the more heavily abused medications that's prescribed in the military is benzo benzodiazepines like clonopin and stuff like that. And they actually use benzodiazepines to help you with the withdrawal symptoms of the alcohol abuse. Right. And so you'll see veterans who feel so you know that that you know. They see that as a coping mechanism. Well, if if I just take this now, <laughs> it's putting you know. another bandaid on what really needs help. Like it's it's almost like masking the problem and not facing the problem and working together to improve, um, you know, and and decrease your episodes of PTSD just by working together as a family unit. You know, I mean. The counseling center at the VA, I know they put him in, like, a test group with, like, um, veterans who had addictions and stuff like that. And that wasn't really helpful. That made him shut down more because he was made to do it, you know. So he kind of had come to his own rock bottom to actually go out there and get the help he needed. And and the sad thing is, is, I mean, you talked about the isolation aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the sad things is, is it's not just the alcohol and the and the the, the substance abuse mm-hmm. that perpetuates that further. That's something that's usually already there as well. I mean, you have right. to consider you you go overseas, you come back, and you're 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 away from your family. You've already been isolated from them for over over you know in most cases over nine months to over a year. And especially like if you're stationed at Casey as well, you're, you're away from your family. So you're, you, you've missed out an entire year on the lives of your family. And anybody who's on this show could probably relate to this. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Right. Nor, and, nor I mean, is anybody else really we were, here. Right. And I knew him when we were like, since we were 15. So I, I can definitely vouch that PT, like going to combat has changed him. His, his invisible scars are what haunts him. And I mean, I just, it just makes me want to have like more programs that can help veterans, you know, that slip through the cracks when they're applying for benefits and, and for help. I mean, because where you're referred to, it doesn't always help you. It depends on who your therapist is and what they believe in, in a way. Like if there are more group programs, which I know there are a ton of group programs, but if there, if there was one, you know, specifically for veterans coming back from deployment and needing to integrate back into society, you know, get um, have therapy sessions before they even really are in the home with their family. Like almost like families can come visit for a little while and they can kind of slowly get used to being back into their old old life before they were deployed. I mean, that would be and great. And it's a form of instit- it's a form of institutionalization, you know. Right. When you when you go overseas or or in your you know that military life in general, it's it's mm-hmm. a form of institutionalization where you're, you know, you don't know anything else but that. Like especially if you're spending a right. year overseas and you're you're either in combat or you're at like Camp Casey, you become into this routine just as you would see. And I hate to use this analogy, 
And I mean, Perry, you know, you can, you can jump down my throat, Vanessa, everybody can, but it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, you know, a, 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 an inmate coming out of a prison system. You have a day to day routine and now you're expecting that individual to come out of that situation and just fold right back into family life. Right. And I mean, and then, you know, and like you said, they missed so much, you know, they probably don't feel like they're a part of the family anymore. Right. And then, you know, the spouse is so used to living on their own without them that it's hard because, you know, there's, let's be honest, most military members are alphas, females mm-hmm. and males alike. We're, we're alphas. We are the caretaker. We're the provider. That's what the military looks for when it's recruiting is, is alpha individuals. And, you know, being an alpha, you come back and you realize, I don't have to really do anything. They've got it under control. What do I, what, what purpose do I serve here? Right. I don't know these people anymore. They don't know me. I, you know, there's, there's PTSD aspects, there's traumatic brain injury, there's, there's physical wounds of war that come along with it as well. And now you're trying to adjust to this home life, this situation that you have no concept of at this point. Right. And he was, who's this? This is Carol. Can I interrupt just for one hey, second? Make a comment. Carol, come right on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This goes back to about two weeks ago when we all talked about the sponsorship. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head. We all change. You know, we change from yesterday. And when you go overseas and you're away from your family, everything else for a for a you know a period of time, and you're trying to get implemented back into quote your daily life and your you know the society and everything else, it's exceptionally mm-hmm. difficult. And it goes back to what we talked about several weeks ago as far as the sponsorship of somebody. And, you know, I kind of use a different, you know, terms. And, you know, the terms are that, uh, uh, you know, been there, done that. And, you know, let's let's talk about it. And, you know, speaking of the, the lady that talks about her husband that was in the classes, um, you know, yes, he could relate to some of those things, but – um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a hard thing when you're put into, you know, a classroom or something like that. And, you know, the sponsorship, basically, if it was in, you know, say, Knoxville, Tennessee, and somebody was getting out and somebody was, you know, going to Knoxville, you know, having that sponsorship where you can meet for coffee or, you know, something like that and just mm-hmm. talk about Almost like hey, a big brother, big sister, but, um, yeah, but like say, a brotherhood. Kind of yes. like how big brother, big sister is, but it's like a brotherhood. You know, exactly. because you guys are all family when you're over there and when you get out. And, I mean, you have to look out for one another either way because you can relate to how you feel. And just it's like, if, you know, like like the auxiliary should serve as like a FRG for families who are getting out. I mean, right. you yeah. know, we we have the ladies auxiliary within AMVETS. I mean, you know, in the military, mm-hmm. you have the family readiness group. You have the FRG that is there for you while your service member is gone and it's a cohesive unit. And for anybody who's not familiar with the FRG, um, I'm sure as a culture we've all seen we were soldiers, where Colonel, uh, where the Colonel's wife was kind of like the den mother for all the spouses that were still stateside while their husbands were overseas. And that is the purpose that an FRG serves. Mm-hmm. And if we could just be that in, in, in AMVETS for the spouses that are getting out with the auxiliary, just like, listen – I know it's been a while since my husband got out and we got out of the military, but this is, you know, it's, it's rough. If you need help, we're there for you. Absolutely. And I mean, that could even, 
go back to when we were talking about veteran homelessness, like, you know, how my brilliant idea of Habitat for Humanity meets Soup Kitchen, you know, meets Big Brother, Big Sister kind of thing. Like, I mean, why couldn't they have like um almost like a, a place like it's not like boot camp. It's the opposite of boot camp where you're coming back down from that mindset and, you know, going back into society eventually, like maybe have have jobs assigned when you're at the campus and get used to working and waking up at a different time every day, you know, working eight hours a day until you're ready to go back out into society. Exactly. And I mean, Jen, I wish we would have had you on last week for our transition episode, but I feel like, you know, after we talked (laughs) about transitioning, we talked about PTSD, we talked about homelessness, we talked about TBI. I mean, this is all part of that. Even now that we're talking about drug and alcohol abuse, it is a, a, a vicious compounding cycle that is yes. plaguing not only our veteran population, our active duty population, but the spouses thereof and their families. It's this cycle is, it's you know, like Perry mentioned, like Perry mentioned at the beginning of the show, the, the inherent, you know, increases that you'll see with crime coming from it, the inherent, you know, the, the, you know, Jen, perfect example. You, you, you guys at Good Cemeterian recently mm-hmm. did a tombstone and as hard as it is for me because of my personal situation, you know, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's hard for me to hear it, but you know, this is a perfect example. You know, I, I lost my first wife and my daughter uh, a couple, several years back to a drunk driving accident. And, mm-hmm. you know, you recently, you know, did a restoration for a veteran who had a similar issue. Yeah, just yesterday. And I, I felt terrible writing it. I mean, it's, I, when I was Did you give us a little bit more story, information about that veteran? Yes, he was um, a World War II veteran. And um, so and in 1949 is when, when he passed away. And he was in critical condition due to um, driving and getting into an accident, sideswiping someone that flipped over onto the other side of the road. And then um, he continued on the wrong side of the road and hit a vehicle that had a husband, a wife, and an infant in the car and head on. And the in, the infant was projected out of the window and the father couldn't get to him. And um, the infant passed away. The mother was in critical condition. Um, and the driver and his passenger were in critical condition. And um, before and this that, wasn't his months, first instance of it as well. Was no, it? no. Bef- I was going to say, like before that, he was pulled over for a DUI and his license was revoked. So, like, it made me think about the effects of of PTSD. And you know, I wonder and can only assume that he was masking an internal battle. So, and see, that's. And, that, no, and it's very no, relevant because if, hey, Alex, do me for hold that yeah, thought one second because Antoine has joined us and I and I want to bring him on. We, you guys can continue where we're going. I just wanted to find a segment to bring him on. Antoine, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on? Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, sure. Glad to have you back on, Antoine. I mean, brother, you you couldn't have come into a better conversation because. Me and you actually had this conversation. We were down at national convention about how a lot of the the problems that we're seeing, especially even looking at drug and alcohol abuse used as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. to mask the wounds mm-hmm. of war, 
this is something that's been going on for generations, all the way back to World War II and further. And it, it, it's startling to me because at what point do we come and we spear this off? I mean, it's not something that's new. This is, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is far beyond a new issue that's plaguing our society. And, I mean, me and you had this exact same conversation when we were down at Nationals, didn't we? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, and, and, and actually you saw a little of that, or I should say a lot of that, actually. <laughs> uh, I mean, around mm-hmm. us, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Right? You and know, it, it seems like the culture those, continues. You know. mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I have a personal, yeah, I have a personal uh, experience with that. I, I, I'm not as bad, and I was able to, you know, take myself back into reality, and not everyone is in that situation. But the first time I actually, uh, you know, outside of beer, I drank a real drink was when I actually went to Japan. That was my very first time I actually drank a real drink, right? At 24, that was my very first time going to Japan. Japan, I almost lost my mind, right? Because you're, you're halfway across the world. You know, you're, you're a new environment, and you don't know the environment. So when you start to, you know, connect with people there that have been there forever, you, you start to, you know, find outlets that, you know, that are all around you. But, you know, uh, for me, it was an opportunity to be social with it. But at the same time, people around me were concerned because they saw me, you know, going to Rapungi and going to, you know, Osaka and going to all these, you know, party places where people are drinking literally all day, all night, all day, all night, like through the night, through the morning. The same people I saw at night were still at the same bar the next morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, it, and, that and, that was like a cycle that that people just were akin to. And then, then one of the parts of the cycle that I don't hear a lot in society or or in any conversation is the underage drinking aspect of it. I mean, we don't like oh, to man. admit that yeah. soldiers are illegally drinking underage, but it happens so prevalently. <laughs> So prevalently, and and then yeah. on top of that, you have the the yeah. peer pressure and the bullying that comes along if you don't drink. Like, what are some of the names they call you if you don't drink? I mean, oh, oh God, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in different languages, uh, sorts of colorful uh, <laughs> metaphors. Yeah, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, and and, and you know, I actually, I actually went up. Uh, you, you know, to my command, my command actually wanted to remediate me. They're like, well, we're concerned about you. And I'm like, well, what's concerned about me? I I actually don't really need to drink alcohol, right? The environment for me was I just enjoyed the environment. I'm an entertainment person. I come from the entertainment industry. And you want to talk about alcohol? Alcohol is abused in that industry more than any industry world. There are people that are currently six under because they would prefer to drink themselves to death, right? Actually live a normal life. And they've actually told me that before. They're like, you know, this is the life, you know, I don't really care about anything else. You know, no one cares about me. So the drink well, how many times have you heard a service member say that? <laughs> oh my God. Every day. <laughs> every Actually, I've had my, my own roommates in the barracks, on the ship. Oh, that's not even about the carrier life, right? People drinking duty, 
people drinking mm-hmm. in the guard shack, people drinking, uh, you know, in, in areas where not really supposed to be drinking, right? This is, well, you know, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not really, uh, you know, no one's really going to care. I'm like, well, you're in charge of everyone's life on this ship. <laughs> so you either stop drinking or we're going to beat you to a pulp. I mean, we actually had to threaten someone's life to actually make. And then you have the facts that God forbid you have a desk, right? Let's be honest. How many desks did you see with little airplane bottles in them just to get them through the day? It, it reminds me, this is a very personal story. So um, I'm an alcoholic myself. So one of the first instances that I ever had with the Army's program, it's called ASAP, Army Substance Abuse Program. And when I was stationed out in California, it was one of the, it, it, it's a shitty duty station. You're 50 miles from the nearest town. You're in the middle of the Mojave Desert. You're constantly working 30 days on, two days off, you know. And there's there's really no stopping where you're away from your family. You're in this austere environment, absolutely deplorable conditions in the field. And as is any field condition. But um, I went to my NCO after PT one day. And I was at the point where I was killing a 24-pack and a, and a fifth of Jack a night just to get through and then drinking a little bit during the day just to get through the day. And I, I came to a point where... I went to my NCO and I said, hey, sorry, I think I, I need to get some help from my, you know, I need to go to ASAP, which is both for drug and alcohol abuse. It's substance abuse program. And he said, for drugs? And I was like, no, Sergeant, but thank you for the vote of confidence. No, I'm drinking too much. He's like, ah, we all drink too much. Like he was almost talking me out of getting help because it wasn't really an issue to drink. You know, and he was like, well, how, well, how much are you drinking? And I was like, well, I'm killing about a 24-pack and a fifth a night, and I'm probably still pissed drunk now. He's like, well, when did you stop drinking? I was like, about 40 minutes ago before we started running. And he was like, well, damn, good job. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, I could barely run that fast, you know, I could barely run like that sober, let alone as drunk as you are. And it was almost like a congratulations, and then, like that really was the first time it sunk in of how bad of a problem it is in the military. To where I was getting congratulated for for running while I was pissed drunk. Hey, this is Carol. One thing uh, I want to definitely add to that, you know, number one, Fort Irwin, you were hitting the nail on the head basically being stationed out there. (laughs) But uh, uh, at Casey in Korea, it was nothing, and I repeat nothing, to show up basically, uh, you know, drunk for PT and go run three, four, five miles. Uh, we actually had a new first sergeant come in. His name was Patterson, First Sergeant Patterson. And he actually uh, called a fire alarm the night before. And everybody basically left the building and came out. They had for, some, for some of us who don't, they, for some of those who don't understand what a fire alarm is, can you further explain that? Because I, I'm well, pretty sure a lot of people are thinking it is uh, what you say it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they pull the fire alarm and they basically, I mean, you got to evacuate the building. So when he did that, what was everybody the, came out. The purpose with of that usually in the military, though. The purpose of that in the military, though, it wasn't that there was an actual fire, but this is a practice that happens quite a bit. So the, the purpose of pulling it is. But anyway, you know, can you explain he, uh, that? 
he basically, everybody came out, and, and when I say everybody, I would say 95% of all the soldiers in the barracks came out with blenders, uh, bottles of alcohol. <laughs> there was nobody that was getting clothes or personal stuff or, you know, anything that you would They were saving their booze. Grab. Yeah, it was all the booze. And First Sergeant Patterson, that was taken over command in the morning, basically said, okay. And during formation for PT, after you know he became the first sergeant, uh, he actually put a rule down that said one six-pack per person, per room, no hard liquor, which everybody had it hidden in the in the rafters, basically, you know, in the ceiling and, you know, oh, everything else. It. So when you, yeah, that, that didn't stop anything. So, uh, you know, again, it, it was nothing to go to PT, basically, like you said, I mean, uh, drunk and basically, you know, go run three, four, five miles. No questions asked. Now, one thing that this ties into, too, is we, we've talked past in the show about, you know, military sexual trauma. And if you look at the statistics, a lot of military sexual trauma are instances revolved around alcohol use or drug use. And, um, and, and that's something that it contributes to as well. There's there's drunk driving accidents prevalent in the military. I mean, I mean, if anybody here had ever got the blotter read to them at, at formation in the morning after the weekend, you would know that 90% of them were either, you know, drunk driving, you know, or or domestic violence that came out of the prevalence of alcohol. And, you know, this issue may not seem as bad as it is just on its own merits, on the fact that, oh, they're just drinking a lot, so what? They have a stressful job. I mean, being a soldier in the military is one of the top five most dangerous and stressful jobs in the world. And, you know, so people are like, eh, you know, we all drink, so what? You know, but they don't see the overall ramifications of that comes with substance abuse, the fact that veterans are taking their lives at a higher percentage than anybody, especially when you consider the fact that alcohol use is, a, is, is almost three times as high in the military population than it is in the civilian population. You know, you see crime, uh, you know, violent crime happen in the military. And it's a, it's a very taboo subject, as we all know. People don't like talking about this. But you'll see domestic violence rates rise in the military you put you put alcohol and substances in the hands of our nation's military. These are alphas, whether they're male or female, because trust me, as much as people don't want to hear it, females do sexually assault and also beat their spouses as well. It happens. Not as a high rate of percentage as, as males do, but it happens because you have alphas who are under the influence of these substances who, who get into this either rage mentality or they, they dissociate from their identity, their, their personality. And you, you see, uh, you know, it's a compounding issue. You take all the factors into it and it's absolutely a, a, a matter of crisis at this point. You know, Vanessa, I mean, we've talked about that as, as well. You know, me, you, Antoine, we've all talked about this. Yeah. I mean, what, <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm getting a little upset. I'm going to have to light a cigarette on that note. (laughs) Can I say something? Go um, for it, Jen. Okay. So, I mean, from what I'm hearing about your stories while you're in the service, it seems like, you know, alcoholism is encouraged. But then once Mm -hmm. you are back to 
quote-unquote society, it's discouraged. And it's very, it seems very confusing, I would think, if that was your, your lifestyle that was, like, like I said, encouraged and impressive when you're out there. But now you have to cope with it alone and nobody else is doing it and you feel like, like you're an outsider. And, I mean, obviously with alcoholism comes depression and, you know, with depression you, you isolate and it just seems like it all goes hand in hand and there should be more programs out there, you know, where they're like positive programs and not like a classroom setting for, mm-hmm. for veterans um, that had that issue while they were out there. So, well, you, know, well, you have programs too, but there's, there's, well, you have a common misconception. Now me and Vanessa talked about this mm-hmm. because you have a common mm-hmm. misconception when it comes to substance abuse between the difference between NA and Narconon. Right. Now, I, I, I'm not trying to bring religion into this, and I'm not trying to bash any other religions, but Narconon is primarily run by Scientology. Like, Narconon is a Scientology program created by L. Ron Hubbard to combat narcotic abuse and substance abuse. Now, a lot of people have a common misconception about N.A. and Narconon being the same thing. And with the current, you know, stigma of Scientology that's running rampant, and, you know, you have TV shows about how evil Scientology is. You know, mm-hmm. and when you hear that the treatment program that's offered is run by a societally stigmatized organization, do you really want to get treatment there? Right, and that, that's what I'm saying. Like, there maybe we need to broaden those horizons and offer a different kind of um, approach. Well, NA is actually out the there. Re- NA is not. Narcotics mm-hmm. Anonymous is actually not run by Scientology, actually, but many people confuse the two. Right. And so you're yeah, seeing I mean, an actual helpful program go down the tubes because of the stigmatization mm-hmm. of, a, of a similarly named alternative. Right. So and then on top of that... Go ahead. Well on, well, on top of that, you have the isolation aspect, like you said. And what what do what do people usually turn to when they isolate or when they get depressed? They turn to what made them feel comfortable and what they know. And when you have a populace right. like the military, which almost all of us know that, you know, nobody else is going to give you a hug except that bottle of Jack. <laughs> right, and I mean, it, it seems to me like there there needs to be something with all all of the combination of everything that we've talked about tonight you know, to have a program that's X amount of months or even a year long to kind of desensitize you from the military mindset and, you know, wean you back into what society, you know, sees as normal, I guess. Exactly. And, and, and that is a problem that, oh, who was that? Megan said there is no normal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very true. Right, and, and I say normal lightly. <laughs> Functioning. I don't know what you would want to call it. Because, <laughs> I mean, when when you're used to, like, one, you know, side of the spectrum and all of the things that you've seen out there in combat and you come back to, like, you know, America and you're here and we're just doing everyday things like laundry and going to work and coming home. I mean, 
that's like it's a it's a very huge adjustment to just jump into. It's kind of like jumping into um like ice cold water instead of letting your feet get used to it. Exactly, but then, but but herein lies the problem as well with that. And, and I'm not trying to shoot down your your solution. I mean, it's a it, mm-hmm. it needs to happen, but in, in oh, inherently I'm there lies the problem. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, inherently there lies an issue. Like we had Sherman Gillums come on the show last week, and he talked about the new bill that they're supporting for domestic violence against our female veterans. Mm-hmm. Well you'll see a rise in domestic violence happen because what happens when you have this one crutch mechanism that's in, 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 you know, inhibiting your, your emotional thought process. You already have PTSD. You have a TBI. You have all of these mental health issues going on. You have just, you know, even if it's not those mental health issues, you have the static in liar of the anxiety that comes from that mentality or the transition from the military life to your, your, your home life or even from military to civilian, and then you have the VA appointments, you have all of these, you know, inherent, you know, stressors within a human's life, and then when somebody comes to you, like, I'm sure everybody who's ever had to talk with somebody who's an alcoholic or somebody who is engaging in risky behavior, hey, you need to stop drinking, that causes an argument, and then you'll see a, a rash decision happen that can not only affect the life of that veteran, but the life of the person that they're, you know, getting confronted by, whether that be a spouse or a family member or a friend, you know, you're, you're seeing domestic violence rates rise amongst our veteran population as well. And a lot of the times it's it's unreported. It's, I think that is one of the ones that is also up there with MST as a highly unreported issue. You, 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 you know, and, and, and and anybody can chime in on this. I'd love to hear somebody else's opinion on this, but you know, it's 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 you you're, you're seeing that that is one of the biggest things that comes from it. Like you're seeing all of these risky behaviors come out of the substance and alcohol abuses from our veteran population that is encouraged by the culture of the military. Right, and as you take off the layers of substance that mask your true feelings, I mean, it can be a scary place as well. You know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, with uh, PTSD, what I learned through the VA and everything is, you know, everybody, um, like myself and my daughter's father, we go to sleep with a full glass. And then when mm-hmm. I wake up, my glass is empty. But when he wakes up, his glass is already half full due to the trauma that he's experienced. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you add that to trying to, you know, um, Wean yourself like away from over. any, yeah, and I mean you're going through withdrawal. You have a glass that's already half full. Like, what else do you want? Like, I mean, of course it's going to cause rage as well. Mhm. And rash decisions. Antoine, you um, want to you know chime in with that one? Antoine. Vanessa. <laughs> All right, I, I can I can talk about the you know the 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 different layers and the the wearing the masks like when you're when you're dealing with you know PTSD. Um, in general, society doesn't want to hear or know about that trauma because it's ugly. 
and yeah. it, it absolutely is. And you'll hear you'll have society not want to hear about how your husband or wife beats you. Fun fact. Fun fact. Did you know that if a man allowed his wife to beat him back in the Middle Ages and, and all the way up into like early parts of the 20th century, that he was publicly shamed and it was socially acceptable to publicly shame him for allowing his spouse to beat him. Almost wow. as severely as he was shamed for beating his spouse. And in some cases, this is more Carol, severely. This is Carol. I want to add one thing to it. A lot of organizations, and this is, again, my opinion, everybody's got an opinion, but to kind of go with what everybody is saying is it goes back to what we talked about either last week or the week before as far as a check mark. And what I mean mm-hmm. by a check mark is a check mark, okay, you know, they completed the course, they're cured. Or, you know, they, they completed TAP, uh, you know, their resume is just incredible. They're ready to, you know, exit the military. And so many, so many different programs are all about that check mark compared to really finding out exactly what the problem is. And, you know, I've always been a, a, uh, a person that says, you know, let's identify the problem, but now let's come up with a solution. You know, mm-hmm. anybody can sit there and identify a problem, okay, or, you know, what I like calling the opportunity. But, again, it's sitting there finding the solution. And also, you know, you have a lot of organizations, I'll just say organizations, no names mentioned, but, uh, you know, that are under government contract. And, you know, who is holding them accountable? Uh, You know, because, I mean, I I know one in particular, again, no names mentioned, but it's all about the numbers. Every time I talk to Mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, a very good friend of mine, it's all about the numbers. We did this, we did this, the graph is this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, how many of those were actually, you know, did did they retain, you know, was it a, you know, a six-month projection, a one-year projection, you know, two-year, things like that. And, you know, he's like, well, we don't have those numbers. We just go straight off of today's numbers. And it's like, well, you know, those don't mean anything. But my whole point is well, and then, so many organizations, it's a check mark. You know, and, and, and on top of that, that like, you. and on top of that, even further, look, uh, she absolutely agrees with you. I mean, and as do I. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the fact of the matter is, if you look at it, you know, anybody who did research for tonight's show, I know me, myself, Vanessa, you know, and and Perry, we were having the hardest time finding current numbers on this crisis. I mean, right. Perry, yourself, like, I, I couldn't find anything newer than 2014, if not 2015. I mean, Perry, what about yourself? I mean... Five bucks says his mic's off. <laughs> I was like, crickets. <laughs> Well, you know, you're talking about numbers, Alex. Stop I mean, it. Numbers. Stop yeah. it. Stop. <laughs> okay, first of all, they, because we know those states were not calculating, we can't find accurate mm-hmm. numbers. I've tried. And I mean, what, the, most of the numbers that Arizona. we do have, most of the numbers we do have are out of date as well. Correct. But you know, either and way, and the end result is, is that, but Alex, what you got to understand, the end result is still the same. Veterans are dying. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's one a month. The fact remains they are dying. They're giving up hope. And one of the things which actually has not been talked about, which I do want to bring up, has everything to do with faith. Because 
realistic, and I'm not talking about religion because I hate religion. It ain't about religion. It's about a relationship. But the fact is every person that I know, and I, I mean that includes even my addiction to smoking, you know, mm-hmm. God is more than capable of handling this situation. The challenge is, is sometimes we don't like to give, submit to that authority. And I am like my sister, for example, who is, was an alcoholic for most of her life. One day as she was down and down and down, she gave her life to Christ. She asked him to take away the withdrawals. He did. She hasn't had a drink since. Now she's had problems and she's wanted to drink. She lost her husband but the fact remains is, and, and what she did was she used prayer to get her through it. And not a lot of people can do that. Some can. But it's available to every one of us. And I think if, if and I mean, no matter what traumatic experience you go through, we know that there's hope. But we also know that some people are not surrounded by people that care for them or that know what's going on, and they give up. And, that's, and it's, it's hard to hit that rock bottom. And it's hard to hit that rock yep. bottom when everybody around you is normalizing your behavior. It's not I mean, a true in, rock in bottom case, if it's okay. <laughs> in my case, I was just tired of, like, trying to help him through everything. Like, there was only so much energy that I can give anymore, like, than I already did. And, what? I mean, it took it took years, but still, like, I I tried to be supportive and, you know, encouraging and uplifting, like all of that stuff and tried to listen and offer solutions. But it it got to the point where I like lost myself in trying to help someone else. And that's where it would be very helpful to have local and like groups that aren't related to government agencies um, that can actually help like you you just feel like a real person and even for the families I mean I know they have them out there like support groups and everything but like I don't know we have this one program down here um, the Black Dagger um, hunting and fishing club for veterans and I mean I just think more of those things and doing outdoor stuff and kind of focusing on more of the brotherhood of, of being a veteran and realize you don't need that substance to to lean on you you have other people that can relate to you and and that's absolutely great it makes absolute sense because in the military you have frg or your usually your family readiness group and your chaplain will have Mm -hmm. these retreats and it's just like pulling teeth to get families to participate in them it's like something like you need to you're offering a free ski ship yeah Right. You're offering free ski a, a ski trip to a family for free, all expenses paid. You just show up in that first and everybody takes you there, and it's still almost mm-hmm. like pulling teeth. Right, and I mean sometimes I, I'm sure it's hard to even get out of bed in the morning and mm-hmm. take a shower and go to work, and you just need that sponsor, like um, I believe Carol was talking about, kind of like a big brother kind of situation, someone to help mm-hmm. you, someone that's already that can encourage you and re- and help show you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you're not alone. Definitely. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest problems is, I mean, we've addressed a big issue, but, you know, it, it comes at a point where you have to have a call to action where you, you can't stand for it anymore. You can't push it to the next generation and it be their problem. Right. It's gone and on long have, enough. 
you you know, this has been like like we talked about earlier in the show, like Carol had, you know, discussed, like we've all discussed. This is something like just as PTSD and the wounds of war, this is something that we have known was a problem since World War Two and before. And mm-hmm. it seems like you know, when when you let an issue get so far compounding, that's when you have issues like this where you're having alcohol and substance abuse be a compounding issue. You're having PTSD and the lack of you know, the lack of resources for substance abuse be a problem. And it's compounding on the lack of resources there are for PTSD and compounding on the lack of resources there are for the wounds of war and the lack of resources there are for the families dealing with such and the veterans dealing with such. To now it's such a conflated, compounded issue. Mm-hmm. What do you tackle first? What is the most what is, what is more important at this point? Now you're trying to tackle six issues at once that have been compounded over generation and generation and generation. To the point right. now where we have a crisis on our hands and we we're in in all reality guys and I hate to say this we're spinning our wheels trying to figure out how do we tackle them? What do we tackle first? You know, you right, have I mean all getting these, yourself all prepared these things. for Oh god. Mhm. We, we've created well, the perfect like storm. You, right. Like getting yourself prepared to go and go on deployment, like that's taken care of. They, like you're broken down to only focus on what you're there for and what you need to do. But it's mm-hmm. a, like reversing the process. That's the hardest part. And, and it's the hardest part like you, because you have so many barriers. Right. Yeah. That everybody's have been different there over... too. Everybody copes differently. Everybody, mm-hmm. um, there's there's people that um, are totally fine when they they come mm-hmm. home. I mean, it it all depends on who you are as a person and how you cope with with things. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Like, it, there's so many different aspects that you have to consider. So that's why I really feel like it would be a good thing to have, um, like a community, if you will. And have each person evaluated individually. And I mean, kind of like my the way I rescue animals, like an animal out of the shelter, like you don't know their behavior. You have to evaluate them, um, you know, and train them a certain way. And that training can work with, with one animal, but not with the other. And some animals are in the rescue for like years. Some are like in and out because of how how they've adjusted from shelter which is a perfect to correlation home. to what our VA medical system has going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see yeah, people that are in the VA medical system for years trying to tackle one issue and you see people that go in and out. Right. Over time. And they have to you have to realize it's not because you're you're terrible, it's just because mm-hmm. there's a different method and you have to problem solve to get to that treatment that really hits home. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're coming close to the 10-minute mark left on our show. And as Perry said in the beginning, this is going to carry over to next week. So we will have part two of this discussion next week. Um, but I, I want to I start before we go to our, our, our closing statements from our guests. I, I would like to say, you know, we, we, we brought up something. And, and as I was always with Ambits Radio, it, it brings up new issues and it brings up new hot points. For us to, and it opens up a different can of worms. And in, in one aspect or another, they all correlate with each other. We, we've come to a point with society that we've created that perfect storm with our military culture to where we have taken the worst aspects of the military over time and left them to the wayside because they were either too taboo to talk about when it comes to MST, 
substance abuse, PTSD, you know, you know, suicide. You, you, you have all of these things that we knew were a problem a long time ago. You, you have domestic violence. You know, you, these were all issues that we've known about for generations, but it was too taboo to talk about. Too, too, too scary to admit that we have this kind of problem with one of the most honorable societies we have, one of the most honorable populations that we have within our society, one of the most revered populaces that we have in our society and our military veterans. And it's come to a point where we as AMVETS, and you'll see it every day in the news, AMVETS is trying at its very best to chip away at these barriers when it comes to MST, when it comes to suicide, when it comes to veterans' health care, when it comes to, you know, domestic violence and all of these issues. AMVETS is at the forefront trying to chip away at this, trying to come up with that solution, but it's hard. And I think people need to understand that they, they hear these issues on our show and they hear them in an individual basis, but I don't think we've really ever compounded them as one solid issue. And that is the procrastination of our society and our reluctance as a society to talk about these issues and how severe the issues really are. And I just find it a shame that it took this long to get there because now it's that much harder because you have all of these different segments, these horrible, worst imaginable segments of our veteran population now competing against each other or the veteran himself competing or herself competing to tackle these barriers, to overcome these perpetuated normalcies of their life, to try to live a decent quality life. And everybody who's ever listened to Amphets Radio knows we are not shy about talking about that. We may catch flack about it, but the fact of the matter is, is we're out here, we're talking about it, because it needs to be talked about and it needs to be understood. Ladies and gentlemen, we've, we've loved having you guys on the show. You know, Jen, Carol, uh, Terry, Vanessa, Antoine, myself and Perry. We, we, we love having this show every week and we're definitely going to be talking about this week, but I'd like to go around our guests and talk and, and see, you know, get to our closing remarks on this topic. I mean, Jen, would, would you like to say anything to close before next week's show? Um, I would say that, you know, since it's out there now on the radio and everything, I mean, it would be really great to have organizations that have the same mindset to kind of join forces because I feel like there's power in numbers. And, I mean, it's the only way to kind of tackle the situation and to be the change we wish to see. So those are – and hopefully anyone in Tennessee will come out to our event on Saturday. Awesome, definitely. Carol? Yes, I mean, I would just like to first and foremost just uh, say I really appreciate all of you guys and uh, ladies on the phone now. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to to identify issues and to come up with solutions. And, you know, the more that it's talked about, the more that people are going to get involved, the more that people are going to identify, you know, the opportunities and the solutions. So, uh, in short, basically, greatly appreciate every every one of y'all. And uh, uh, my phone's always open, so uh, if I can be of any assistance, definitely, uh, I'm there 24/7. Definitely, Vanessa. Um, I'd just like to add that um, 
anyone that's listening, whether they're active duty, veteran, family member, um, that they can reach out and call the Hill team or call the um, the National Crisis Line um, for resources. And don't hesitate to reach out to your local embeds um, for you know additional resources and support because you're not alone. The help is there. It may take a while. It's a journey. It's another another journey in your life, but um, you're not alone. Absolutely, Antoine, you there still, brother? I guess we've lost Antoine. I mean, we we still have five minutes too, so just so you're aware. And, and and I mean, Perry, I, this is what I love about us, though. We we have these discussions, and we have the availability and the freedom to talk about this stuff, Perry. I mean, I, I thank you for the opportunity to be your co-host on Ambits Radio. Since I've come on board, I feel that Ambits Radio, along with myself, you, and the wonderful guests and the, the correspondents that we have growing across the country, the organizations like Good Cemeterian, like TM Veterans, like Luke and Lou's Dog Rescue, like the Disaster Relief Program in, te- in Florida and Tennessee. We have organizations that we're working together with. We're talking about these issues, and it's become productive. It is, it is something that has not been talked about, and we have the freedom on AMVETS Radio to talk about this. We have wonderful, you know, a, a vast resource of guests, you know, such as the ones we have tonight that are willing to come on, and a, as unfavorable as it may be, perceived by some to talk about this. These people are brave enough, Perry, to come out here on our show and talk about these issues and the, the nastiest parts of, of military and veteran life. Because let's be honest, Perry, I mean, it, it, we, we've caught some flack about talking about these because some people have just said it's just too hard to hear. But that's part of the problem. That's why we are where we are, Perry. And, uh, and, and like, I, like I said earlier, it's hard to hit rock bottom Everybody's perce- you know, perpetuating that it's okay and normal. And so as, as we continue down this road and this journey that is AMVETS Radio and as we continue to grow as an organization and grow AMVETS as an organization and work together with other organizations to keep tackling these tough issues, when, when, when people think about the Veterans Crisis Line of the HEAL team, it doesn't have to be that you're suicidal. You could, with the HEAL team, if you're having issues with your medical care, if you're having issues with your quality of life as a veteran, they are there to help you and connect you with the resources that it takes to get you back on track to being the best person you can be and to living that quality of life that we all deserve, that we all sacrificed for. It's just one thing. I think as a society, we, we have come into the place of safe spaces and it's too scary to talk about. Don't talk about it. It offends me. But that's where we've gotten to the point with these quality of life issues in our nation's veterans because they were too scary to talk about because it was too offensive to talk about. But the fact of the matter is, is by not talking about it, we only make that problem worse. And as a society, we need to come together. We need to have these discussions because once it's aired out into its light and we talk about it, we know the problem now. The demon is revealed weird. It's your ugly face. And we need to come back and we have to have that call of action once we reveal these issues and these troubles. And we need to go back into our communities. And we need to be the change that we want to see in that community. We need to be that precipice. We need to be at that precipice 
And we need to be that catalyst of change in our communities. Because if you don't talk about it, if you don't act upon it, it never changes. And that's why we're where we are at. And so, Perry, if I mean, this show, brother. If, if, <laughs> if this show, if through this show's purpose, one person has heard this message and has decided to get help or to try and get control, then it is worth in itself. Um, and I look forward to our second show. Let me end with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the show. Thank you for the technology. Thank you for the funds that you provided through the AMBET states and those that love the show. I just ask that if there's anybody listening right now that's without hope, Father, that is suffering with any of drug or alcohol issues, that I pray that you would not only be with them where they're at because we know that you love them, but that you would help them through this situation, that maybe through this show they can receive some relief that they've been looking for, knowing that they're not alone. As I started this show, Father, with the song, You're Not Alone, I also want to end this show with a prayer that for those that do feel alone, that you would comfort them and that you would be with them. And I can never thank you enough for your faithfulness and your love that you continue to provide for my family and AMVETS Radio each and every day. And we just love you so much. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Folks, thank you so much for listening to Amvets Radio Show number 80, Drugs and Alcohol Abuse. We look forward to uh, next Tuesday where we will continue this topic. May the Lord continue to bless and guide you.